Well, hello and welcome to Tales from the Bay, where whilst the San Francisco 49ers weren't announced as one of the London teams this year, there is still hope that they might be the road team against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then, of course, there are home games for NFC teams 12 months later. We know they're going to come out sooner rather than later. Uh, Delighted to say that looking forward to divisional round weekend with the 49ers very much still alive after the second half demolition of the Seattle Seahawks. I'm Will Gavin. Nicholas McGee is with me. Uh, Nicholas, I'm going to start off by saying what I've said on the Gridiron Show. I really enjoyed last weekend because we went first. And I could enjoy five more playoff games knowing we were already through to the next round. <laughs> this weekend is already stressing me out that we're playing on Sunday night football. It's, I'm already, like, I can feel it peaking now. And I've got to watch three other sets of teams go through the stress first, which is only going to ratchet up that level for me. See, I, I tend to go the other way. I, I tend to like the distraction. Um, the same thing with being the, the late game, typically in the regular season, is that you watch all the early games and you get that distraction before you have to ratchet up the stress for a 9.05, 9.25 kickoff. So I tend to go the other way, but I agree with you that I was very happy it was out of the way, done and dusted um, by, by Saturday evening. And, um, yeah, just a really satisfying uh, third win over Seattle this season. Real Another the latest bout of revenge for the years of heartbreak suffered at the hands of Seattle. And after kind of a frustrating first half, a, um, a wonderful second half to watch, could not have enjoyed that more. Yeah, I mean, so we're going to get into the game itself coming up shortly. Plenty to get into with that. It was very exciting to get the London game announcement. Some brilliant teams coming over. Buffalo in particular, obviously. I think everyone I told at work who was coming over, Buffalo were the team who universally got like a wow from everyone. Um, You've got the Tennessee Titans coming over to London. Jacksonville, who could be a 49ers opponent, plus the Chiefs and Patriots in Germany. Uh, and, you know, the quality of the games we're getting out here, it feels like now with the 17-game schedule, Nicholas, are only going to go up and up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really excited about the Bills, like you say. It has kind of the the vibe of the Packers coming over here this this past season, where it was kind of just a big party until the Giants came <laughs> turned around and spoiled it. Um, the Bills might have the same international appeal as the Packers, perhaps. I mean, maybe the Bills Mafia ought to be after me for saying that. Um, but they'll certainly have been kind of a similar level of atmosphere. And I'm very intrigued to see which member of the Gridiron team is going to go jumping through a table, assuming we can get that sorted out, sorted out for, the, for their home game here in London. Yeah, I mean... The Niners, there's a lot of speculation back and forth. I I mean, I'd be surprised if the Niners front office aren't talking to Jacksonville about the possibility of being the team because they want to appear in the home marketing uh, location. A lot of people got in touch with us on Twitter at Gridiron and uh, you'll find myself and Nicholas on there as well. And and the kind of the general response to, to me putting out there that I thought that they would be at least having those conversations... You know, the fact they played in Mexico last year, the fact they've got to go to Philly, to Pittsburgh, to Cleveland and to Washington next season, all kind of three, four, five hour flights uh, each way. You know, those are valid, valid reasons for people to be throwing out there. But I just there's part of me that just thinks, you know, with the possibility that they might own Leeds United by then with the money involved in the international marketing agreement with just everything that comes with it that I can't imagine that they would relish the opportunity to come into the UK market a year earlier. And and just sorry, I know I'm rambling, but to add to that, when I spoke to Henry Hodgson today for the Gridiron Show, which you can hear that interview on our other podcast, he said that part of the decision for both Miami and the New York Jets to not come over to not, they were the first people whose door they knocked on, he said. But part of the reason they said no was that they played here in the last couple of years. And they wanted to take a bit of time to build up that fan base locally and then come in two years' time or four years' time. And it maybe felt a bit more special. Mm-hmm. 49ers haven't been since 2013. It's been 10 whole years. Let's have the Niners back in London, maybe. No, completely, completely agree. Um was there in 2013 in the, the rematch. If we got Jaguars again, it was a... A Niners blowout with Colin Kaepernick at quarterback and a, a very enjoyable Sunday evening. And before that, uh, 2010, the uh, Shante Spencer game-winning interception against the Broncos in the Niners' first appearance here. And they've spent a lot of time building up the fan base in the UK for all the, the six successful seasons they've had 
um, under Carl Shanahan now. And we've seen for, in personal the kind of following we do have in the UK for the meetups that the, we had in, in Leeds at the, uh, the fan event there. There's a great passion for the Niners. And I think if one coach can get his team team prepared to that long journey, it's Kyle Shanahan, as we've seen with his success on these long road trips that he played two or three road games on the bounce and how he can plan for that. He's a very good kind of organiser and getting his team ready for those trips. There might be some reluctance on the Jaguars' part if it comes to it, because I think it would be effectively be a Niners home game rather than a Jaguars one. I'm not sure how much how they would want that in this kind of era where the Jaguars on the rise with Trevor Lawrence and they want to showcase them as a growing and emerging kind of power and fan base in the, in the NFL world. But that might not happen with the Niners, but otherwise it makes a, a great deal of sense from a San Francisco perspective. It's not just that as well, but it's also that the reason it took so long to get the Green Bay Packers over to London was because they were never going to give up a home game when there were only eight home games. Lambeau Field, you know, it takes you, what, 25 years to get a season ticket at Lambeau Field. You have to be registered the day you're born, essentially. Like, you know, that is a a difficult place to, to... convinced to give up a home game until they had the nine home game schedule and everyone team had to give up one. No team wants to give up that road game because the Packers travel very well because they can put their single game tickets up to the highest banding and put the prices up on everything because the city just comes alive for those games. And actually Jacksonville, they did, I, I was trying to find this survey earlier, but I remember it at the time where they looked at their highest grossing games from like a 10 year period. And the Wembley games represented the entire top five except for Packers at home. Mm-hmm. And I remember when the Jags had Packers at home that year, all the speculation in the months in the build-up was, oh, Jags, Packers, Jags, Packers, finally, finally the Packers coming over. And then it wasn't. And, you know, that, that is, the Niners are a team like that. Same with the Bills. It's why the, the, a lot of people are speculating the Cowboys could be a team. I mean, if Bills-Cowboys was played in London, that, that is, <laughs> I, 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 not even arguably, that's the best game we've ever had in London, right? Mm, no. But the Bills aren't going to give that game up no. if they can choose not to when they could give up a Raiders game or they could give up, you know, uh, the Broncos maybe. I don't think they would want to travel a, a second year in a row. But just, you know, there are other games they'd give up. Sorry, producer Mike's on the line, just livid that I met, dared to mention the Broncos in that conversation. So I think there is a, I think there's a, real, I think there's a real chance, but I could totally understand why Jacksonville would push against it. Yeah, they can they can push against it, but let, let, let's let's have it. Let's uh, like you say, it's been it's been far too long since we've had the Niners over here, and Mexico City was beyond uh, beyond the limits of, of my wallet to go over there. Even though it was an extremely enjoyable game to watch, let's have them back where it's a lot easier to do. I I, I looked into it. I'm not going to pretend like I didn't. Uh, <laughs> let's um let's just turn our attention briefly back to last week. I know it's quite a few days removed now, particularly with it being the Saturday early game, and you know how positive for the Niners that I saw a lot of people whinging about this seeding matters and I think the fact that the higher seed has had the extra days rest I think that shouldn't be a problem for people two days extra rest really but the the one thing from that game that I kind of I guess okay two things I want to mention from that game we'll get to Brock Purdy in a minute the performance of Demo Lenore who was seen as being the weak point of that of that secondary I mean Nick, you've watched the game back. Uh, I think it was probably his best game in a Niners jersey. Oh, 100%. I mean, that was kind of a lot of the talk leading up to the game is that they've got these two receivers, Metcalf and Lockett, and they can, there's a weak link in the Niners defence with Dino Ronaldo, who's given up a few explosive plays at the catch point in the final weeks of the, of the regular season. And instead, it was kind of Chimarius Ward that they target with some, some success, and Lenore just had, like you say, had one of the best games of the season. His, his interception late in the fourth quarter, I believe, against Tyler Lockett is absolutely just. Perfect teach tape, playing playing zone coverage, keeps his eyes to the quarterback, might gets his hips flipped really quickly at the top of the route, wins the leverage battle and just gets to the ball before Lockett. Gino probably probably shouldn't throw that ball, but that's a testament to to Lenore's coverage in a situation where Smith had to throw that ball because the Seahawks were getting desperate. And he he's when he's at his best, Lenore is, a, is probably an above average starting cornerback at the very, at the very least. He's got a really high ceiling when he's at his best. I can play lockdown coverage. He needs to get better at the, at the catch point, but he also he subscribes to everything this defense preaches, and that he, he comes downfield, he hits really hard, he plays with that aggression, he embodies everything this defense wants. And when he plays like that, he, he's not a, he's not a weakling for this defense in the slightest. Yeah, I, I thought he was excellent. I think actually, like Charverius Ward giving up the big touchdown pass to DK Metcalf was was more of a concern when we expected him to be physical in that game against Metcalf. Mm-hmm. 
the, yeah, the, the the Cowboys have some very good receiving talent. And actually, you know, Gary Thorpe asked us on Twitter, do we think uh, that, that Mooney Man, that uh, Travis Ward will travel with Lamb and, and how that impact will, how that could potentially impact it? He also asked about how we think that, you know, Javon and, and Eric Armstead will be up front against Pollard and Zeke. But I'll be fascinated to see how they choose to match up on this receiving core for the Cowboys. Because I, I do think that, CD Lamb has emerged as a, a legitimate number one within their offense. I'm not. I'm not sure he is in that same like top tier as some guys we see in the playoffs. But Noah Brown's emerged. Michael Gallup's emerged. Dalton Schultz has suddenly become a bit of a touchdown machine in the last five or six weeks after I dropped him from my fantasy team. Like that, there, there is. I think that the 49er secondary is going to be tested this weekend. Mm-hmm. But I'm very much in the mindset of Dak had his best game last weekend this season while the Bucks were terrible in the trenches on both sides. They had no pass rush at all. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get that with the 49ers. And I think that it's the classic win up front for your corners and your safeties to win this weekend. Yeah, I, I agree with that in that Dak looks extremely, extremely comfortable against the Buccaneers. He's perfectly in rhythm. He escaped when he needed to, but never looked any kind of any any kind of duress. He never really had to get off his spot. He could just stand in the pocket and deliver the ball and find these those impressive receivers that you listed. So I think that's not not going to happen against the Niners. We've seen this. I don't want to say we've seen this film before, but kind of have seen this film before. This is obviously different teams from last year, but the Niners in that game kind of wore them down with the, the four man rush, and you could argue that the defensive line is even deeper than it was. Uh, last year as well and if they can take away their run game which I think the, the to Gary's question the second part of that Harry Carmson and Javon Kinlaw have been very important against that Javon Kinlaw last week against the Seahawks and particularly in the early stages against the run was phenomenal um, he might not have the, the pass rushing juice that we want and that's probably understandable given the lengthy knee um, injury recovery that, that he's had but against the run he's certainly eating up the middle and taking away those run lanes It's interesting as well because Javon when we talked to Greg Papa last week, uh, he cited the fact that he thought Javon Kinlaw had been playing too high, hadn't been getting low enough, that that had been a problem as part of his game. And I think mm-hmm. you're right. He played the run really well against the Seahawks side, who admittedly maybe a weaker offensive line than Dallas. Uh, Dallas is not the offensive line of previous years. And actually, you know, Jason Peters not practicing this week already with the injuries they have on that line, the rookies on that line, I think that's a concern for them. Um, but yeah, I, I, to, as you say, to Gary's point, I think that's going to be the uh, that that that's going to be the, the 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 kind of big area that if they do win, if they can stop the run and they can get pressure on Dak, then that's how they win this this game of football. The other side of things, Brock Purdy, tough first half for him. Mm-hmm. Although I I like that they came out and they threw the ball in the in the rough weather. Threw the ball 19 times, had two or three really great completions in there, a couple of wafters as well, which we you know rather not focus on, but really have to. Mm-hmm. But then came out in the second half. Yes, they threw less. Yes, the balance moved to more towards the run, which opens up the play action, opens up the scrambles, opens up everything else. But it came out in the second half and threw the ball beautifully and really reacted well to that adversity. And, and that was only more positives for me in a game where at half time I was I was wobbling a little bit. Yeah, I was right there with you. I was wobbling probably a little bit more because I was so annoyed at Jimmy Ward for that for the uh, late hit penalty, which is I don't know, I still can't understand what was going through his mind, but he at the moment. But you're right, kind of a scatter shot um first half with Brock. Um a little bit up and down with the accuracy. I think the Jennings um shot to the end zone if that ball Tariq Warner's a good job of recovering uh, the separation that Jennings gets, but it's still an underthrown ball. And if it's thrown a little bit back, that's probably a touchdown. There's the one where he has Debo Samuel over the middle of the field and that's probably a walk-in touchdown given what Debo can do in the open field, but he goes to Ayuk deep. But if Ayuk didn't stop his route, that still might be a touchdown. So there's two there where the half would look very different um just by if a better decision or a better thrown ball. Um, but this was, yeah, this was a, a real Kyle Shanahan exhibition in kind of getting guys open in the mid, in the middle of the field, particularly like to George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk had an absolute field day, and Purdy calmed down a bit, settled down. He had that the drive to start the second half, and once he got that and got back the lead, and then they got the ball again after the turnover. He never really looked back. He looked confident in control and almost scored one of the almost threw one of the best touchdowns I've ever seen in the playoffs and that throw to Ayuk that he dropped in the corner of the end zone, which I've still kind of wished he would have caught just for the 
the moment that would have been after he ran around seven different directions in the in the field in the red zone to cap a, a really impressive second half. So you've it's a, it's like the Vegas game again, kind of a little bit. Is it come through this period of adversity and looks all the better for it, and looks by the end of the game to be brimming with confidence once again. Surely his confidence will only go up for that experience against a, a, a tougher opponent this week. Um, I'm, I'm going to highlight a, a like uh, something that I think is is kind of fascinating about uh, this matchup when it comes to the coaching side of things, and I think it's actually an area in which the I think the split between the um, this the split between the uh, kind of eight days to get ready and six days to get ready is going to make a huge difference. Mm. Um, something that Simon said earlier about, you know, once we saw the Giants win on Sunday night, I imagine the prep for the Cowboys started then because they'd already faced the Bucks this season. They'd already done a lot of the prep. They'd already blown them out, let's be honest, at home. And so, you know, it's get on the Cowboys, think about the Cowboys. And then when we see that they win on Monday, that only means that you've used those two days wisely. Mm-hmm. Fascinating that D'Amico Ryans is going to be taking interviews on Thursday and Friday this week with the Broncos and with the Texans. And Dan Quinn is taking interviews this week with the Broncos on Friday specifically. That is where actually for me, if people don't realize how much goes into a head coaching interview, which can last for six to eight hours and they're put together and they get sent a playbook and get to go through it. And they go, they get asked to kind of break down how they would treat various different situations. Like it is a very, very involved process. And there's part of me that would love the NFL to say no head coach can be hired until after the Super Bowl. You'd have to push the draft and everything back, but just say you're not allowed to touch a coaching talent until then so that they can focus on the job at hand. Last year, Mike McDonough, at least there was a, a, you know, there was an opportunity for him to go and do those. Uh, I think I think he did his Miami interview between the championship mm-hmm. game and the Super Bowl, possibly, yeah. Yeah. if I remember right, which gives you that bye week, which gives you that time. I think I worry for Dan Quinn particularly, and I am saying this on a 49ers podcast, if you're preparing for Kyle Shanahan's offense that is as multiple as the 49ers can be, that I saw you retweet that brilliant Dan Olofsky video about 21 personnel this week mm-hmm. that just pointed out that if you leave 21 personnel in where you're playing Juszczyk and McCaffrey as your, as your running backs, the two of your 21, George Kittle, Ayuk and Debo Samuel, from that base formation, you can run about 12 different base formations and no one knows what anyone's going to do. Mm-hmm. If I'm Dan Quinn, I want every single second I can to prepare and game plan for this. Unless the Cowboys decide to go super simple play big nickel, man up on everyone and just go, let's make them beat us with talent because we're not going to beat them with scheme. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the way they go about it. But I think it's going to be the toughest game. That's going to be that Dan Quinn versus Kyle Shanahan, that Atlanta Falcons matchup. That's for me, the the most fascinating bit of this weekend. Yeah. You nailed by I was going with that with 21, the ability to get to five wide with two running, <laughs> two running backs to tight end and two wide receivers. It's just, kind of this unmatched kind of multiplicity that a lot of teams don't have. And yeah, you're right. You need every single second for that. The breakdown in the ESPN was really interesting. And they, they Mina Kimes, the excellent ESPN journalist, they have pointed out to the Saints game, where the Saints did a very good job against the Niners offense. that held them to under around four yards per play. It was obviously 13-0, a bit of a, not a sleeper, not a, a snooze fest, but a, a bit more of a grind that game. And she pointed out that they that they have the linebackers, um, to deal with that more than a lot of teams do. And they also played a lot of man coverage with Tyron Matthew and Paulson Adebo and Marcus May. I'm not sure for as good as Trayvon Diggs is in kind of making big plays that it's, it's a strong idea to play man coverage because I remember recall that from last year where he got burnt by Manonayuk on several occasions. Um, and, and, and let's not forget, absolutely run over by Jawan Jennings. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on an off-the-ball play, which was, let's call it physical to be kind. Yeah, yeah. There was that. I remember that one. That was uh, one, one to behold. Um, so I'm not sure that's because there were several plays in that game where if Jimmy Garoppolo, who was obviously hurt, would have thrown a more accurate ball. It would have been a lot less tense than it was in the end. Um, and Ayuk looked very, very good against Tariq Warren on Sunday. Uh, Tariq Warren had a rough day, but Saturday, sorry, had a had a rough, a rough day, but it was particularly rough. 
um, against Ayuk and trying to keep tabs on him. So I'm not sure playing man coverage that they have the same horses that the the Saints do or the same linebacker play. I mean, you look at Leighton Van Der Esch with his, his very retro look with his massive shoulder pads and his, the, the thing behind his head. I'm not sure exactly what you call that. He sits behind his neck, kind of the neck brace he plays with as well. I'm not sure that's the, the linebacker you want going against this, this Niners offense and Kyle Shanahan. There's the, um, there's the meme of um, Shanahan, uh, Stephen Ruiz has a meme of Shanahan looking through the mic, the, uh, the microscope and it's often a linebacker that he's going to take advantage of. And it seems like that will be Leighton Van Der Esch this week. Um, so I don't know if the Cowboys really have the defensive personnel to do what the Saints did as they, as they laid out and if they're losing prep time because Michael's trying to lure Dan Quinn to Denver then uh, it's a, it gives them even more of an uphill battle and yeah, I'm not sure it's a, it's a fight they're going to win I, I like Leighton Van Der Esch I rate him but I think he is an old school yeah that's what I'm getting at yeah. eat up blockers linebacker yeah. great against the run can get after the passer if needs be, not great in coverage. Demario Davis, who was the example that Mina Kimes was using, uh, and uh, by the way, she's so good. Um, but, but, uh, but that was a prime example of a guy who is as diverse as a player as you can get when it comes to all the different things he can do. And guess what? We've got a couple of those at the 49ers who can do literally everything. I was asked to do my NFL UK all pro team this week and I didn't put all Niners on there, but I did, I did put Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw both in oh, yeah. my linebacker team. Um, and I have no regrets about it. Um, the, uh, the, for me, I think that the 49ers are, I've just got too much for that Dallas defense. They have the best pass rusher in the NFL, not called Nick Bosa this season. And he is a terrifying prospect, but with what they do running the ball, with how diverse that scheme is, with how he, with all the traps they run and the outside zones, I just go to the weak side of the formation. You don't expect it. And all, just all that stuff they do to, to, to trick your, like the pre-snap motion, which actually means something. There's too many teams doing it in the NFL where it doesn't mean anything. It's just a personal bugbear. I bite my tongue on it uh, instead of complaining. Like, I just think they're going to be too much for the Dallas defense. And one question we did get in was from the 49er faithful group for Paul and, and, and Flackers and all those guys and Gareth, they gave their bold predictions for this week. And I'm not saying that I'm expecting a 49ers blowout. And I'm not saying that I'm expecting this to not be a difficult game. My bold prediction for this week is the 49ers offense in a game where the over under overall is 46 points my bold prediction is they score thirty-five plus this week. Like it, like it. I'll um, I'll fall on that theme and I'll go. I'll I'll stick very much on brand and I'll say that twenty-one of those points, if you count the extra point, come with Brock Purdy touchdowns to Brandon Ayuk. Three Brandon Ayuk touchdowns Ooh, this week. Ooh, spicy! <laughs> I like it. I like it. I, I genuinely, I said it to, I said it on Twitter earlier and got immediately. Oh, that's bold. That's bold. I was like, I genuinely can see the 49ers scoring, like having ten drives and scoring on eight or nine of them, and most of it being touchdowns. Like, I, I think that they, I think the matchup against the Cowboys defense as good as it has been at times this year. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it has been a top three, top five defense at various points this year. Then the injuries are in the wrong place at the wrong time. I do think if they can get Jaron Curse back, that'll be big for them yeah. just in terms yeah. of being to play a lot more nickel and dime and, and being able to maybe play a bit of bend, don't break. But like, I, I just truly believe the 49ers offense could put, do something special this weekend. It's then whether Dak can do what he did against a very meek, Buccaneers pass rush when he's facing off against the best pass rush in the NFL with the best turnover margin in the NFL with a secondary that are playing that, that you know, Chavarius Ward has, has turned around in the space of a year, him coming in. And I just don't think they will. I really think the 49ers are going to win this weekend. Mm-hmm. I hate being this positive about it. I am a naturally pessimistic human being, but I really do think the 49ers win this weekend. No, I said, I said to Mike in pre-show, I said, I, I could they lost next week against the Eagles. I, I could probably accept that. I would struggle to reconcile with them losing on Sunday. As much as it's a possibility, everything's a possibility. Jack Prestrock's an excellent quarterback. He would probably say he would say he's still the better quarterback than Brock Purdy, of course, because Brock Purdy's only played six games. Um, those six games have seen the, the Niners, if you include the playoffs, average 34.8 points a game since he came in as a starter. So your bold prediction of 35 points is, is pretty much bang on. So it's it's asking him to keep up with that. And 
the thing with the Buccaneers is I don't think watching that game back at any point the Buccaneers actually believed they were going to win. Like the meek is the right word, like you said, the defense. I don't believe at any point there was any kind of belief, particularly once they got down and once Brady threw that red zone interception, the Buccaneers thought there was any kind of possibility here. They thought they just they were just completely overmatched and they knew it. And the Niners never believe that. You you see them all pre-game, and this this team just believes they can go out there and do what they do and beat beat anybody on their day. And I think. While this could be a, a a tough game, and while it could be it would close until the very end, close until the very end, I think the Niners, like you say, are just going to have too much, and I really hope that's the case. I have nothing against the Dallas Cowboys in general; it doesn't really affect my life if if they if they win or lose. But I really, really hate um, establishing shots of Jerry Jones celebrating in the in, in the in the director's box. It really grinds my gears. I don't want any of them at, Le- at Levi Stadium. I want to see him looking a bit downcast and and, and going home. <laughs> It's funny. Someone asked me earlier this season who the team, like we were talking about who your, um, who your uh, soft spots are in the NFL, who who the who the teams you have a soft spot for are in the NFL, who you like. Maybe you know if you're an, a, a fan of an NFC team, who your AFC team are, and things like that. Uh, and I've always I always root for the Jags. London's team. I always want to see them do well. Mm-hmm. We know they're going to come out every year, so I'd much rather see a good football team when they're here. So that's always one for me. But as the adverse of that question, I was then asked, um, would you, uh, who are the teams you least like in the NFL? And uh, the list is in order, Seattle, Dallas, New England. And so, you know, New England aren't a concern right now, but if we can beat Seattle and Dallas in back-to-back weeks, I, I will feel very positive about the whole season, regardless of where it ends. And it still very much has a chance of ending in a Super Bowl. We're in the we're in the dance. We're in the divisional round. I'm feeling very positive. I, I'm going to be chatting in the with the guys in the locker room later today from when we're recording, and we'll hear that momentarily. But I'm excited to see what the mood is around the locker room. I, I can just imagine with how it has been in recent weeks that it's going to be very positive. So that's what I hope, and yeah, fingers crossed. Shall we do that? Shall we do? Shall we go to the locker room? Yep, let's do it. Danny went to SMU, and uh, now it's Niners Cowboys. Is this one a little extra special for you this week? Uh, most definitely. Uh, you know me being a hometown kid, uh, growing up watching the Dallas Cowboys all my life, uh, and just being from the city of Dallas, it means a lot to me, and just knowing that we can put them away. Did you grow up as a Cowboy fan? I did not. Uh, I, I grew up as a Saints fan, but um, the Cowboys, they was always around. Like, my family loved the Cowboys. Everyone in my family was Cowboys fans. So uh, when the Saints played the Cowboys, they probably, they, I would just go upstairs because it was a lot of ruckus in the house. There you go. Now, you're a rookie this year. What, was, what did you notice different between regular season tempo and what we saw last week against Seattle? Uh, really? To be honest, uh, not too much different because we come in with the same mindset every game, every day. Uh, it's just to outwork the opponent, come in and just play lights out. So uh, we had the same mindset every time we touched the field on Sunday. All right, tell us about your play, man. You made a great play on kickoff. It was a punt co- punt coverage, wasn't it? Yes, sir. Raced down and and made that play and um, basically stopped him in his tracks. Talk a little bit about that play. Uh, yeah, so uh, it was just a great kick. <laughs> it was just a great kick by uh, by Mitch and uh, he. Kicked Kept, kept in the sky for me. I think it was like 4.5, 50-yard uh, punt. So uh, I ran I ran down there, and uh, I seen that he didn't wave for the fair catch. So I'm like, oh, he can't be serious. So uh, I just took my shot, and I made a tackle. What's the key to making that play? Is it just no hesitation, or do you got to stay in your lane? Talk about what you're thinking as you're running down that field. Uh, it's just playing fast and not, uh, no hesitation. Well, just like you said, you just can't hesitate, and you just got to play fast. That's really it. All right, you told us last week that when you get in the end zone, we're going to get a treat, we're going to get a dance. I mean, give us an idea. I mean, we're going to see that pretty soon. I'd like to see it. Man, I pray, man. I hope so. I hope so. I just can't wait to uh, show you guys what I can do. Yeah. Um, what does Dallas look like on film to you uh, on the perimeter? You've, you, you're looking at their DBs. Anthony Brown's out. They got Bland, who's a big corner. Obviously, Diggs is a is a is a ball hawk. Picks off a lot of passes. What do they look like to you when you watch them? Uh, they got ball players all around. Uh, they look they look like a normal football team to me. Uh, a team who wants to win. So uh, we just got to come in and do our job and be more physical, play more faster, and just be on the details. And that's how we're going to win the game. When uh, when Jimmy got hurt, did you ever think that you guys could make it this far without him? Um, most definitely, uh, yes. I 
I do, honestly, because Jimmy is a big part in the uh, QB room. He helped the QBs uh, with their progressions and everything. So I would just say it, 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 he's really haven't missed a lot because he's in the room. He helps out on. He helps out with uh, Brock in every way. Trey does the same thing. So uh, just having those two guys around just to help out the young buck, it's a lot. It, it's a lot, and it, I think it helps his game a lot. You're part of a rookie class with Brock. Has in your mind has he changed? Anything about him changed since he took over the starting job? Uh, most definitely. Uh, you can just tell how he attacked every day, his demeanor on the field, and how locked in he is. Uh, he's not afraid to tell everyone, like, hey, lock in, y'all shut up. So uh, you can just see, like, his leadership is taking over. What impresses you the most about him? That he's not he's not scared to take risks. Uh, he just he he does he plays his own game and he just I love when he when he's out there on the field he just plays loose. He never he's never like overthinking or oh I got to do this because this is what coach said. He just goes out there and, and play ball. He's a baller. Give us your thoughts on <clears throat> give us your thoughts on Kyle Shanahan's offense. Obviously he's one of the better offensive play callers in the game. What's it like playing in this offense? It's a great, it's a great offense. Uh, one thing I know is that he's going to scheme you open, and uh, we're going to run the ball, we're going to play physical, and we're going to play fast. So one thing I know is that man, we're always going to come, and we're going, and you better keep your head on the swivel. What do you guys need to do this week to beat Dallas? What's the key? Keep doing what we've been doing. Come out, play fast, play physical, and just out, outwork everyone. Um, the Abrams yank of Debo's leg. What'd you think of that? Uh, it's a big deal, no deal. A lot of guys have seemed pretty upset about it. Yeah, I mean, it made it made a lot of us pretty set on the sideline. But uh, I mean, I I don't I, I don't want to call him a, a bad player. You know, I don't think he did it intentionally. But uh, you know, it did look intentionally. But uh, I just want to say that you know I, I don't think he did it on purpose. That's why Debo kind of you know gave him a little grace after the end of the game. But uh, he's a good player, and uh, I didn't I I didn't think he meant to do it. Yeah, last one for you, and we appreciate your time, Danny. You're the rookie, and there's a lot of veterans in that room. <clears throat> I'm just kind of wondering, maybe not even position-wise, just who helped you? Who's helped you get through this rookie year, um, either on the field, off the field, both? Is there a veteran in this room that you've leaned on this year? Uh, I would really just say all the guys in the room. Really, uh, I learned from each and every one of them, especially uh, Debo and uh, Brandon Ayuk, especially Jawan. So uh, I learned a lot from those guys. They teach me all different kind of things and what. They tell me what I need to work on, what I can do more, how, how can I improve my game. So just hearing that from them, uh, being around them every day and just watching film with those guys, they see what they see what I need work on. They see what where I'm lacking and where I could just improve. So uh, that helps me out a lot because I go out and I watch those guys do what they do on Sunday, every Sunday. So uh, it just means a lot that I have those type of guys around me and those type of guys that want to see me have success. Yeah, a great example, I thought, in this last game on the McCaffrey run. Trent got the block, Kittle got a block, but then if you look downfield, Ayuk just walled his guy off for about five, six seconds down the field. The wide receivers on this team block down the field, don't they? Most of, uh, yeah, that's a big part of this game. Uh, we run the ball a lot, so uh, like I said once before, before the, even se before the season even started, no block, no rock, that's just how it goes here. It's going to be a good dance, huh? We're going to see in the end zone, it's going to be a good dance, you promise, huh? Most of, yes, sir. All right, we're here in the Niner locker room with Alfredo Gutierrez and Nick Sakel. Good to see you guys. See you. The big nasties were in here. Um, all right, you know, you guys are, are first-year players. Alfredo's actually not a first-year player, but you're a first-year player. How's it been so far? What's what's this year been like? You guys are still playing here in, in January. Oh, uh, yeah, it's a great experience. A lot of great guys in this locker room. We've been able to make a lot of memories, but the job's not finished yet. we got a lot of work to do. Uh, we want to uh, have the ultimate goal win the Super Bowl. Alfredo, what was your first year in the league like? And if you were given advice to a young guy coming into the league, what would your advice be? Well, my, my first year was awesome because we, we reached the, the finals, the NFC uh, championship. So, well, my, my advice to these guys, just keep working, uh, waiting for the opportunity. Because last time, I think, one of the first guys, like, uh, first year's guys got opportunity on one of the last games. So, just keep pushing, keep working, and you got the chance to play. All right, you guys, the, you two and Brock are, the, are your roommates together. Who set that up? Who, whose idea was it for you guys to live together? Or do they tell you guys, ah, you know what, rookies, maybe find another rookie to live with? How did uh, you guys I mean, find each other? No, I, th I think originally it was going to be like me and Brock were talking about playing on living together, and then kind of Fredo brought it up to us, and we thought, like, hey, three, 
Three's company, that would be a great idea. And uh, kind of, I'm really happy we did that. We've been able to make uh, a lot of great memories. I've enjoyed living with the both of them. It's really great to have kind of like that that built-in, uh, like someone to go home to hang out with and all that. I asked Brock at the beginning of the, uh, a couple weeks ago. I said, "Hey, if if, uh, if you buy some food and you put it in the fridge and you come home and it's eaten, who's most likely eating it?" Do you guys want to guess who he said? Alfredo. You say Alfredo. You said Alfredo. Uh. <laughs> hey, well, me and never touched uh, the refrigerator, but oh no, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. That's... So who shops? Who does the shopping in the in the apartment? Do you have he does and Brock. I don't really do shopping. Yeah, but I mean that's very. It's very limited in the shopping it's very it's pretty much facility home yeah for most of us can you can can you guys go shopping with brock these days now that he's a starting quarterback or does it take I mean, too long well, because not, people recognize him now? probably yeah probably not now um remember christmas we gotta yeah Chris, yeah christmas we walked around yeah christmas we were good we were fine no one really that was kind of before he really blew up but right. yeah now it'd be tough for sure mm. when jimmy went down with the injury several weeks ago the miami game did you guys think at any point that you could be still playing here in the division round? What was the feeling like when that uh, happened? You know, you, know you, you were heartbroken for Jimmy for sure, but then also kind of back your mind, you think you know, how excited we were for Brock to finally get his opportunity just because we, we've seen personally how much he prepares himself for that. And I just think that uh, really kind of him giving that opportunity and uh, how he took it and ran with it, uh, I think we're really, really happy for him, really proud for him. I think that... Um, I think not wouldn't be surprised if you told us we were here now just because I think that we know how great of a team we are. We know what Brock is capable of. And I think that's something that uh, we're just accomplishing what we're able to. Yeah, like you said, uh, I know Brock is capable of, of doing this stuff. And, and of course, for seeing Jimmy going down like that was a ha- ha- heartbroken. But um, I remember that game when we saw Brock going in. We looked at each other and said, like, our boy is him, you know? <laughs> So we were happy for, 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 for Brock, but he did a good job since the first game. He's keep doing a good job, so we're, we're happy for him. Has he lost yet? Has he changed at all? I know he probably hasn't, but you guys have probably <laughs> given him a bunch of crap about it. Oh, yeah. Have yeah. you told him that he's changed? I mean, oh, he's yeah. not, but no, we yeah, say we, that. We, you yeah. got to mess him a little bit, keep <laughs> yeah. him grounded. But, uh, no, he's still the same old guy, you know, kind of. Just he's just grounded himself, and I think that's kind of really what brings about a lot of his success is just how good of a person he is, and how that hasn't changed through through the success we've had as a team. What do you guys appreciate about Brock as a player? Because I mean, obviously, you guys play the game and you know how it's played. Um, what he's done is not normal. It's not something you see every day. But what do you, what do you think of just how he's played? I mean, so far he's been playing, playing good, and sometimes. Uh, like before the season or like mid-season, when we have like a little free time, we used to watch watch Brock play in college, and we used to make fun of Brock. Like if he missed this pass or he, he I think he run a couple times, and I mean now he's playing really good. That he's changed. I mean he changed as a player in college now, but he's doing pretty good now. Yeah, yeah I would say. Yeah. Um, What's, do you guys ever get any arguments in the apartment? Do you ever sit there and what do, what do you guys, what do you no, like? No, because yeah, no. that's why it's just, it's really just. It's just too, ch- it's yeah, just like it's, a bunch of college guys. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> There's nothing like we don't cook enough for like dishes to be left out, but like there's not, yeah, there's not really much we can fight about. We just, I think the, the only day that we had a mess was uh, after Christmas, you know, gift, um, boxes, and all that. And we talk and then we, we set a date of cleaning, and that's it. But no, no, we never argue. And I think we, we had a pretty good thing going, so we're happy about it. There you go. Yeah. Um, what you guys watch Dallas and watch the film? What's what's the D line's deep and they got a lot of pass rushers. What do they look like to you guys on film? Yeah, I think they're a really a really good unit, especially guys on the edge. I think that they play hard, they play fast. I think they can uh, do a lot of things, especially uh, with all the twists and games they run. I think that we're really gonna have uh, really have to bring our A game, really have to be uh, on our assignments, really have to bring our toughness to the ball. I think something that um, I think that if we stick to the plan, I think we're gonna uh, be successful. What do you think? What do they uh, look definitely? Like? Well, we watched the film since yesterday and then. I think they're pretty good. They have a pretty good up front on defense. And like Nick said, we had to keep on our fundamentals and keep pushing, keep working. And I think we're going to have a pretty good day on Sunday. Last one for you guys. we got to jump here. Um, what do you guys need to do in this game to win? 
Whatever it takes. <laughs> play our ball. Yeah. Play our ball. Don't turn it over. I think that's not, I think that's the biggest thing we've been going all year on. I think just think that uh, kind of playing smart, playing our game, not not really beating ourselves at any point. I think that's something that will really lead us. Uh, help us to a victory. All right, we got Charles Menihu here in the Niner locker room, and Charles made the key play. I thought it was the key play. Um, this is what I think you guys do exceptionally well, right? You guys have incredible depth and talent up front, but you guys are playing some really well-schemed games. And on that play, I noticed you had three guys to the defensive right side. You have Abukam lined up in this wide nine outside. He took a hard charge inside, kind of took up two guys, and you come looping around and were flying at the quarterback. Tell me a little bit about the play as you saw it. Uh, we just ran a, a stunt. Um that Samson was penetrating and I'll wrap around Samson. We ran a lot actually last year, so it was something that, I mean, people know that we do. And Samson just got in there, executed, and I was able to come around and I felt the ball. I just felt grabbed and gripped and try to like get out of his hand because I knew I wasn't going to get any type of body. So, and then the ball just ended up coming out. Yeah. From from have you ever played in that role where doing Samson's job where you're you're the singular guy out there? Mm-mm. What is that? Is his was his role in his that? His role is more important than mine. It is. Yeah. Because he's taking two guys. Yeah, that's why when they came to the sideline, I, I like I was thanking him like constantly because I was like, bro, that's like that's perfect. That's how it needs to be done. That's how it needs to be ran. Um, you can ask anybody in the room. Samson's the best easy game runner that you can that you can run with because you know he's gonna get in there. So yeah. <laughs> He can make himself skinny. He can do what he can torch himself. Mm-hmm. Now I love the way you're looking this year. Last year you were bigger. This year you're lighter, faster, mm-hmm. almost more like your Texas Longhorn self. Huh? Yeah. I mean, does this remind you of Longhorn days? The way you're uh, playing right now. I mean, the way I'm playing, yeah, like. Or at least when, the, the, the the weight you're playing at. I'm lighter than I was at Texas. I, okay, you were. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But you play at Texas. 265, 270. And you're about 260 now? Well, I'm like, this morning I'm waiting at 255. Wow. So, like, that's extremely light, though. Like, I ain't going to ever, I wouldn't make that a thing for me. Mm-hmm. I like to be between 260 and 265. But, um, yeah, I mean, just, I feel explosive out there faster. Um, I'm obviously stronger than I was back in Texas, but it's working. Yeah. Oh, you guys are having a lot of success. Um, when you guys start playing those the, the stunning stunning games and movement up front, what does that do to an offensive line? I think it just causes confusion. It look like, I wouldn't say chaos, but confusion. Um, guys crossing face, having to pass games off after you, just a little slight hesitation and indecision can cause a breakdown. When you line up a tackle, do you feel comfortable lining up in there, or do you like that 4D end alignment? Um, when I'm rushing the passer, I feel comfortable with tackle. But I mean, I feel comfortable playing anything. Um, I grew up in the state of like play all all across the line of scrimmage, rush from anywhere, be able to play any position on the D line because I feel like versatility is a is a is a plus for me. Yeah. What have you been able to take from from Bosa in his game? He's obviously a technician. Have you been able to steal anything from what he does and adapt it to your own game? Um, a little bit of my stance comes from how Bosa is, um, and we I think we just bounce information off each other. Uh, Bosa every week asks me about the tackles because he knows I just watch them all. Like I watch film very early. I kind of get my own breakdown early. Um, so we just piggyback off each other, but definitely my stance, um, how much pressure and weight I put, um, how I revamp my body. I've had a conversation with Bosa about that to be able to generate more powers being quicker, faster, more twitcher, get guys out running, and then that momentum generates force. How much, how much is film a part of your, how key is film watching to your preparation? Big, I watch a lot of film. Um, when do you watch it? Do you like to watch it Sunday night, Monday? I watch it, I mean, I watch after our game, I watch on Monday, I watch throughout the whole week. And then I taper it down a little bit towards the end of the week because I watch so much already. Right. Yeah. So and then like, I, I have my game plan already for all the, the linemen I'm going to face. You're lining up inside and outside, so that means you can't just study the tackles. you got to study the guards, the center, the whole line. Mm-hmm. Do you like watching the cut-ups of each of them individually? And what do you think of Dallas's O-line? It's a big group of guys. Huh? I watch them as a group, like in-game. I, I look for teams I know that have good pass rushers. 
So um, I watched for that. Uh, I think like who's one that you think of like Philly maybe with Quinn or you? I have, I have watched Philly. I have watched the Vikings. Um, I watched. No, nah, I was watching Zedarius. Okay. Um, oh, Zedarius. Yeah, sorry. I watched a little bit. Uh, I I turned. Uh, I watched a little bit of the Bucks. Um, Try on. Nah, I was just watching the Bucks just because that was their last game. Okay, I oh, gotcha. Yeah, so I just watched that, and then I watched individually as it was breaking down throughout the week. What do you think of their line overall? I think they're a good line. I think they invest a lot in their offensive line, so um, they're good. And, I mean, it's going to be a challenge for us for sure. How about Pollard and Zeke? Give me, give me your thought on Pollard and Zeke. It seems like they're using Pollard more, and it seems like he's got um, like full cuts, full speed cuts. You know, I mean, that's what I, I mean. See. That's that was a skill set coming out, so it really isn't nothing that's surprising. Um, I think they use them equally. Yeah. They use them in their strengths or what they perceive as their strengths. So they're both good backs, they good running backs. So Pollard is gonna. Um, Probably get uh, paid at the end of this year. I mean, he's had a good year. So, you guys have a little extra time—a day and a half extra prep. Does that matter? Does that? How much does the extra day and a half matter? I don't know. I don't feel it. So, yeah. I just—I was—I was, I was kind of like ready to go and get into preparation. I think all those things are just mental. Yeah. When you go out there on Sunday, you ain't talking. You ain't gonna be thinking about the extra day you have. Right. I think that's just something that people just use as an excuse. It's not a real thing. All right, when Jimmy went down with the injury, did you guys expect that you'd be in this point, that you'd reach this point even without him? Yes, because, I mean, you have full confidence in every guy that puts on this uniform. And I knew from personal experience that Brock was going to be a guy that can get it done, so I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, how has Brock changed at all since he became the starter in your eyes? He's been the same guy. What impresses you the most about him? His 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 composure, his charisma, his swag, his, just his whole vibe by himself. Like he carries himself like a like a G for real. Honestly, I ain't gonna lie. I like I like his swag for real. I like a guy that carry himself that he's that guy. I mean, you carry yourself like that, you play like that, it exuberates to everybody else. And I don't think that's a negative thing. What do you guys need to do well on Sunday to beat Dallas? Stop the run. I think we stop the run. Um, our offense take care of the football. And I think we'll have a, uh, that's a good recipe to win any game on Sunday. Abram yanked Debo's leg, and some guys got pissed. Did that piss you off? Yeah, it, it did. Uh, I think it got the team fired up, um, and you see the results after. Last one. The place erupted on your forced fumble, mm-hmm. and Bosa picked it up. I mean, I'm in the press box, Charles. I can hear it through two and a half inches of glass. Yeah. The place was shaking. Yeah. What was that moment like for you as far as the crowd? What kind of Did you get fired up because when the crowd went crazy like that? Um, yeah, I mean, it just uh, in that game, well, I missed two sacks before that. So I missed two sacks and not thinking that I would get that back and then have an oppor- another opportunity to, to, to get to the court, make a game-changing play, and then later on in the game, give them at him again. I was like, damn. I was really around the court like a lot. I just got to learn how to finish. But glad that I finished those two and just got to, you know what I'm saying, keep going from there. Yeah, keep playing your best ball, man. Thanks yes, for sir. the time. Thank Appreciate you. you. Uh-huh. We kind of did this all in the wrong order from what Mike wanted us to do, and we've already previewed the game. But uh, I, I tell you what, we like to look at some of the other stuff going on in the NFL. We talked a bit about uh, the, the London games earlier. Just going to ask you straight up, what are your AFC and NFC Championship games come next weekend? Ooh, good question. Uh, I think we're going to get Bengals Chiefs on on one side. Um, I'm not fairly convinced. The, the Bills probably should have lost last weekend, which is a hilarious thing to say. Um, if this, they had an opponent who could get the plays in on time, and given that, or if Jalen Waddle wasn't clearly quite hurt and could catch the catch the ball like he'd been doing for the vast majority of the regular season, the Bills probably would have lost that game because the Dolphins played well enough on defense um, to, to keep them frustrated and had, obviously had the chance at the end um, and probably would have more of a chance if it, if it would have caught us pass in the first place. So I think the Bengals, as much as they weren't overly convincing against the Ravens team, that's that's division game. It gets mucky. It's, the Ravens are out to play them. They were clearly... They, they clearly kind of took the week week eighteen off in my mind to prepare for what they knew was coming the week after. So they were a bit better prepared for this game with Tyler Huntley. So that was 
division games are difficult. That's what we're getting. I think that you'll see a much cleaner game from the Bengals against the Bills. You know, the game we should have gotten a few weeks ago, obviously for those those unfortunate circumstances. And I hope this game will be a, a, a celebration of everything. Demar Hamlin and the fact he's, he seems to have recovered. But I think the Bengals will come out on top in that one, from what I've seen recently. And I, I, it's tough to look past the Chiefs against the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars put up a good fight for two or three quarters, but it's tough to bet against Mahomes in this situation. Um, and on the other side, I think. The Giants can give him a game. We saw him give him a game with Davis Webb. I was going to say, by the way, Tamar Hamlin has been in the Bills facility mm. every day this past week. Yeah. What a boost that is to them. 100%. And if health-wise he is up for it, if he does the coin toss or if, if there's some way that he's involved this weekend, oh, just that stadium, the roof will blow off. It'll be incredible. Yeah, that, yeah that'll be a wonderful sight to see and just a, a huge boost to the Bills and just the NFL community as a whole. It's wonderful to see him making such progress already. Um, and on the, on the NFC side, I think the, the Giants can cause the Eagles problems. We saw, uh, we saw them run all over the Vikings, but the Eagles obviously have a better defence. But at the same time, we saw the Giants causing problems with Davis Webb in Week 18, which was un, un, that was a game until the end for some reason. Um, but I think the Eagles all sort themselves out. And yeah, I think we've, we've previewed it before uh, in the previous segments. I think the, the Niners are going to Philly, which will be daunting, but um, I think they'll have enough to get to get past the Cowboys. And then I think it's it's the game everybody's wanted for a long time, even when the Vikings were in position for the 2 seed. Everybody has earmarked for a while that Eagles-Niners NFC Championship is, is on the cards. I think that's what everybody's wanted, everybody's expected. I think that's, in the end, what we'll get, even if it's, even if it's tight with the Cowboys. Brilliant stuff. Uh, I gave my predictions on the Gridiron Show, so if you want to hear mine, you'll have to listen to that podcast. <laughs> no one should ever do that. I uh, I picked Bills, Chiefs, and 49ers, Eagles. Yes, I'm boring. I picked the home teams. I picked the one and two seed. I just think that people are forgetting that some of these football teams are very good. Um, there's a lot of overreaction to last week and uh, underreaction to forgetting that the teams who had a bye had a bye for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, brilliant stuff. Look, Nicholas, brilliant as always from you. Uh, we have confirmed that regardless of what happens with the 49ers, that Nicholas and I will be in Arizona for the Super Bowl. So very excited about, mm-hmm. about that. We will do a show from out there, I'm sure, regardless. Hopefully, it will be a very 49er-centric show. And I'm sure Mike is, producer Mike is in his head thinking about how he can churn out a show a day out of us and you know put it in different locations and try and force us to you know uh yeah every practice every appearance every like the content will just be out of this world if uh, he gets that opportunity the I'm world's sure. biggest 49ers fan is, is now is now michael mcguade he's transferred <laughs> from the broncos to the niners for purely for content purposes it's, I actually, I, I reckon he wants the Cowboys to win just for, for <laughs> sleep purposes, uh, because otherwise it's going to be a very long week for him in Arizona. Uh, so yeah, we, we can't wait to bring you the content from out there. We hope it's with the Niners as well. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the games this weekend, guys and girls, and, and thank you so much for listening as always, or for watching, or however you've got involved. This has been Tales from the Bay. <laughs>